Okay, I've never pointed on camera. Uh, 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 what? How do I point? How do I point? There we go. Wait, there we go. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton. And I'm Daisy Rosario, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. And she's back. And no, I'm actually not <laughs> talking about Daisy, though Daisy is back. Welcome back, Daisy. Thank you, Rachel. I'm here. And uh, I mean, even if I didn't know exactly already what we were talking about, I mean, you said it in a way that gave voice to my feelings. Mm-hmm. 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 It's, it's a little bit of fear. Um, it's a little bit of discomfort. And it's also a little bit of that was inevitable. Yeah. Before we get into the story that we're just teasing, I want to preemptively apologize for the quality of my voice. I had too much fun this weekend, and now y'all get to suffer for it. So <laughs> if it starts going into, like, squeaky territory, my bad. <laughs> so back to the important news. On Sunday, October 2nd, <laughs> Lena Dunham tweeted. She said, when I go... I want my casket to be driven through the New York City Pride Parade with a plaque that reads, she wasn't for everyone, but she was for us. Who can arrange? (laughs) (laughs) I saw this tweet and immediately sent it to one of my group chats with the caption, she's back. (laughs) I saw this tweet and immediately retweeted it asking if <laughs> Billy Eichner had asked her to tweet this to pull some of the focus off of him because <laughs> this is like she is one of those people and it's a short list it is a short list but like I know that schadenfreude is wrong <laughs> and I use every part of my soul to try to be a decent person and then I see stuff like this and I just go I'm just gonna I'm just gonna enjoy this one because what she brings it on herself is the thing. It's not like she ever <laughs> is unfairly being maligned. She, this is a wild thing for anyone to tweet. It really but is. But for Lena Dunham, <laughs> I can't quite remember exactly what happened that made her disappear the most recent time. It was either like the Odell Beckham Jr. thing or... She, like, defended a, a writer on her show, Girls, when he was accused <gasps> of sexual assault. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Right. But I just remember she disappeared. She went into the great beyond of white women. And I was like, maybe in that great beyond, she has managed to gain some self-awareness. Because I hadn't heard from her in a while. I had been nope. seeing good reviews of her new movie, Catherine Called Birdie. And I was like, oh, maybe... She's entered a new chapter in her life. And then she tweeted this. <laughs> it's like uh, last week we were reminding people of like the old friends of BuzzFeed. And now I feel like this is the old friend of things you enjoyed watching get pummeled on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, though, I crave consistency. I'm a yeah. creature of habit. So honestly... <laughs> Lena, thank you for your service. <laughs> for just when we thought things were about to change, you said, no, not today. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure we'll be discussing one of her ill-advised statements 
at some point. I'm not going to say tweets because she really says it in all the forums. Yeah. But today, that that's all the time we have for her. We're that's, done talking about Lena Dunham. <laughs> yeah, we're done. <laughs> After a short break, though, we will be talking about how exactly an Orthodox Jewish boys choir took over TikTok. And later in the show, we will be discussing Twitch streamer Dream's face reveal. And we're back in Miami <laughs> or Brooklyn. What? <laughs> could be either. It could be either. I know I say like once a week and it, it, it really is once a week at this point that this is our most requested episode. But the thing is, y'all really do be sliding into our DMs consistently. And I love to see it. I keep yes. thinking there's no way we will ever have a more requested episode. And then here <laughs> you guys come. And I love it. Yep. <laughs> Our first question about the Miami Boys Choir popped into our inbox on September 29th, and ever since then, at least one of y'all, once a day, have been begging for an explainer. So here <laughs> it is. Woohoo! <laughs> so, Daisy, as a Brooklyn native, you had some familiarity with the Miami Boys Choir pre TikTok blow up, right? Midwood represent. Sorry. I just, I've never had a reason to say that. And I don't think I ever will again. So I had to take it. Um, Yes, I did have a little bit of awareness. Um, When this first came up, one of the things that I pointed out was that their more recent shows have been at Brooklyn College, which is literally a college in Brooklyn. It's -hmm. it's in the center of Brooklyn. It's in an area called Midwood. Um, I did not go to Midwood High School, but there's that school right there. But I did go to high school not terribly far from there in a very like Hasidic neighborhood. Like we often think back to high school, my friends and I, when we like chat about it, we'll be like, remember how we used to always have to get lunch on Friday, like real fast after school in the winter because everything (laughs) was about to close and just like things that you know, if you live around that. But yeah, in addition, like I went to NYU and I lived on campus and my freshman year, one of my roommates that was like randomly assigned by lottery was a Jewish girl from Connecticut. We're still really good friends, but it was one of those things where I don't think I understood how much I knew about Judaism from just like the osmosis of living where I lived Mm -hmm. until I met Mm -hmm. her because she came home on like the second day of orientation and was like, Daisy, there are so many Jewish people in New York. And I was like, yes, Yes. like, welcome to the party. Like, um, (laughs) so why are we talking about Brooklyn? (laughs) We're talking about the Miami Boys Choir. Important distinction to make. The most important thing to know about the Miami Boys Choir, from henceforth known as the NBC, they're not actually based in Miami, or at least not anymore. The NBC was founded way back in 1977 by Rachmiel Begon in Miami Beach, Florida. And since its founding, they have put out 32 albums and had an estimated 500 alumni made up of preteen and teenage Orthodox Jewish boys. But after the first few albums, the choir moved to Brooklyn, which explains why we were talking about Brooklyn and why all the boys in the choir are from the tri-state area. What that doesn't explain is why exactly this blew up on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) 
Exactly. Okay, so the very first MBC video was uploaded to TikTok on June 29th of this year. And over this jaunty tune... The on-screen caption reads, 100 voice choir of unity, members from across the NYC tri-state coming together. All right, here's where I admit, I fuck really heavy with a voice choir. Like, I'm Fair. not going to lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My favorite song in Les Mis is Red and Black because of those sweet, sweet male harmonies. Ooh. And this should not be surprising based on how much I loved One Direction. <laughs> but Daisy... As a child of the theater, I'm assuming you also, you also love a four-part harmony. Oh my God, absolutely. Like, I will tell people songs that sound incredible, that are harmony songs that they should listen to in headphones and just enjoy the sensation. So the TikTok for the NBC was actually started by the son of the founder, who, according to an interview with NBC, told his father, Dad, we have to get on TikTok. There's a chance... Nobody knows for sure, but there's a chance something crazy could happen. And <laughs> boy, was he right. Boy, Incredible. Was he correct. <laughs> so, so right. Finger on yes. the pulse, sir. Truly, truly. I'm like a visionary. So after the NBC TikTok started in June, they uploaded pretty consistently, and they were very quickly rewarded when they struck gold a few months after that very first video. If you are one of the people who is on Miami Boys Choir TikTok, the video we're about to play is probably the one that you've heard. It was uploaded on August 21st, and since then has garnered more than 976,000 likes and 8.6 million views. The song has been used in over 9,000 videos. So in this video, it's showing off these four different soloists from the 2008 through 2012 era of the Miami Boys Choir. And so on screen, you'll see their different names, where they're from. And what you're seeing is a group of like preteen and teenage boys (laughs) singing on stage in those like shiny little button down shirts and ties. (laughs) And they're just all so cute. And passionate. Yes, they're so into it. Like, born performers. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But the comments are, as usual, really where it's at. And this is a side note to say that if you are only watching TikToks on other platforms like Instagram and Twitter, you're missing out on one of the most important parts of TikTok, which is the comment section. And I have to say, I do not always recommend a comment section, but I do recommend the TikTok comment sections. Um, Mm -hmm. And for this specific video, they include comments like, you guys are sleeping on my king, Benjamin. (laughs) Telling my kids this was Backstreet Boys. And setting the bar mitzvah high. I love that last one so much. Um, And Benjamin is the name of one of the boys in the video, just so that that makes sense to you. If you Mm -hmm. uh, have not watched the video yet, which what are you doing? Get yourself to it. Yes, we will link it on our Twitter feed. But yes, all of the boys' names are included in the video. So obviously it turned into Stan Wars in the comment section. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love it so much. Same, same. Now, at this point, you might be asking, you know what? That song was catchy, but why did it go viral? And the answer is, as usual, I really cannot give you a scientific answer because (laughs) once again... The TikTok algorithm has seized on a random piece of ephemera and shoved it into our brains. Yes. I will say that looking at it objectively, as Mm -hmm. objectively as I can, having listened to it 12 times in the past two hours. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It has all the makings of a piece of ready-made viral internet content. Mm -hmm. Because you've got dance moves. And not like, you know... Very good dance moves, but some dance moves. <laughs> right. You've got costuming choices, the kind you'd expect from a Jewish boys choir, a lot of shiny shirts. <laughs> yes. You've got legitimate vocal talent, and you get, importantly, as we mentioned, individuals you can choose to root for a la K-pop bands or the boy bands of the 90s, so you can be like my king, Benjamin, or (laughs) my bro, David. (laughs) Like, y'all are sleeping on him. Yes. (laughs) If I may posit uh, my own uh, theory, I think I agree that it's, you know, it hits a bunch of the stuff that is already great. I also think that as much as people are, like, deeply uncomfortable with sincerity, we kind of love it when we see it in uncertain ways. And that's the thing is like these kids are performing so sincerely. They they are are. going so hard. And like the lack of shame, the lack of all of those things um, are just fantastic. I also Mm -hmm. think people are constantly amazed when they're reminded of any kind of I guess for lack of a better way of saying it, like subculture, right? And it's like, there are yeah. all different kinds of groups all around the country that are either like religiously based or culturally based who have their own little things. I mean, it is a real, it is a very real part of like Orthodox Judaism that they don't really interact much with like secular mm-hmm. pop culture in any meaningful way, right? So like, this is something that would have been like really special to those people at that yeah. time too. And those audiences that like would show up and be so hardcore and I feel like any time that we're reminded of like the things that don't fit the machines that we're used to right now we're just like even more taken with those things yeah yeah and it's also like from a composing perspective legitimately incredible like these are original songs made in this like very like optimistic style that are so kept so many people in the comments saying I don't understand what anyone's saying and I still love it and it's like that's the mark of a good song yes it is it's working because now the Miami Boys Choir TikTok has almost 150,000 followers the Miami Boys Choir hashtag has over 136 million views. Wow. And that hashtag features people very nicely reviewing the boys' performances. Everyone, there's no, no one gets below a 9.5 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> you see people learning the choreography. Uh, you see people uploading videos from the Miami Boys Choir YouTube channel that oh, the Miami Boys it. Choir TikTok hasn't uploaded yet. You have <laughs> both transliterations and translations of the songs so people will know what's being said. I would play some of these TikToks, but they're all set to the same song we just played, and it's already stuck in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, completely. And no one's more surprised by the virality than the boys themselves. In an NBC interview, Benjamin Abramowitz said, 
We never got recognition like this before. It's fascinating. The fact that everyone in the world is loving this, even though they don't understand the language. I'm trying to wrap my head around it. And then uh, another of the now grown boys, David Herskowitz said, I hadn't seen that video of myself in probably 10 years. So it was really funny seeing it, which is just amazing. I love it. This is just easy saying I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it too, even though... I'm actively cringing out of my skin at the thought of a video of myself from between the ages of 9 and 14 going viral in 2022. (laughs) Though I will say these boys are no strangers to fame. Herskovitz told the Times of Israel that he definitely remembers that the Israel shows that there would always be seas of people waiting when we got out for an autograph or a picture. And in that same Times of Israel piece, other Miami Boys Choir alums spoke about being mobbed by girls, which um, must have been exciting for a preteen boy. (laughs) And one even described his fax number being (gasps) spread around, which was a fucking blast from the past. I love that. What does it mean? I just, I love that all of this, I have to point this out, Rachel, like all of this is happening during the Jewish high holy days of 2022. Like they're, you know, they're online trending the, this episode that we're putting out. I mean, if you don't know who the Miami boys choir is, I'm not really worried about you being upset that you can't listen first thing on Yom Kippur, but like (laughs) it's, it's the whole thing is amazing. It's just amazing. A fact's amazing. (laughs) And what else is amazing is that one person in particular is really taking advantage of their moment in the spotlight. Soon after the Miami Boys Choir started going viral, David Herskowitz started his own TikTok, starting with this one. It's Herskowitz. He's also done updated covers of his childhood work. How was that? That video has 4.3 million views, and he seems to be planning to release new music, which I'm glad he's seizing on that moment in the sun. One thing I didn't really ever think about with boys choirs is like you age out of them yes you really do I didn't think about that I was just like (laughs) you could just keep doing why'd they all leave at 14 and then I'm like puberty yes (laughs) you just can't hit those notes anymore no (laughs) there are actually some really great details about uh those things in a couple of the articles that we cited so definitely go check those out but yeah speaking of moments in the sun and herskowitz making the most of his it's time to talk about somebody else's that is not nearly as heartwarming after a short break we're going to talk all about the face reveal of a famous twitch streamer And we're back on YouTube. Dream is a YouTuber and Twitch streamer who primarily makes Minecraft content. He has over 30 million subscribers on YouTube, which is 
so wow. much. He blew up around 2019, 2020, which makes sense. A lot of people, including me, actually got into games during the pandemic and also got into watching like video game streaming content. Yeah. I don't think any of his videos in the past two years have under 14 million views. Damn. <laughs> which means in the words of the great Quinta Brunson, he got money. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an example of one of his videos. This video, three of my friends try and hunt me down and kill me in Minecraft for $20,000. If I survive for 100 minutes, I win. If they kill me, they win. And every 10 So up until this weekend, most of his millions of fans had no idea what he looked like. He was most well known as this really simple little smiley face and obviously his voice. I really didn't know about this phenomenon of anonymous streamers until like 2020 and 2021 when I came across people on TikTok lip syncing to Corpse Husband videos. Do oh, you know yes. Corpse Husband? Uh-huh. Yes. Mm -hmm. So he's another anonymous YouTuber. He's mostly known for his Among Us content, which is an online multiplayer game. He's also a musician. His song, E-Girls Are Ruining My Life, had a real TikTok moment last year. Literally no one besides his real actual friends knows what he looks like. His fans are so incredibly horny for him. It is wild. And I'm going to keep it a buck. I get it. He has a nice voice. It's a good voice. It's a good voice. It is. And I feel like, and maybe you feel this way too, my early internet experiences were defined by anonymity. Yeah. So people thirsting after only a voice isn't really all that surprising to me. There are Tumblr bloggers whose content formed, I think, 5% of my personality, like, conservatively, who <laughs> I would not be able to pick out of a lineup. Yeah. But with the advent of social media, like Facebook and MySpace and Instagram, and with the influx of money in the social media, I feel like anonymity kind of went out of vogue, at least yeah. if you wanted to make money. Oh, definitely, yeah. But it is coming back, isn't it? At least mm -hmm. that's what it seems like with the popularity of Corpse and Dream. And it makes sense, right? I mean, we're in the middle of this backlash against the glossy, inauthentic aesthetic that was popular in the 2010s. I mean, look at the success of Be Real or the recent Michaela Naguera drama where she was partially lambasted for her use of filters. With completely anonymous creators, there's nothing else to grab onto but their personality. So it comes across as more genuine. Yeah. And I think it also makes it a lot easier to project <laughs> onto an anonymous creator. Oh, yeah. You get to imagine what they look like, how they move. There's even more of a void to parasocially create in than normal. Yes. Which brings us. To Dream's face reveal and yikes, perhaps the downfall of anonymous <laughs> creators. It's brutal. It is. On Sunday night, Dream finally showed his face for the first time. His stream where he did it had over 1.2 million views by the end of it. That video that is now on YouTube got more than 21 million views in less than 20 hours. Wow. At the time of recording, it's the number one trending video on YouTube. 
And in that video, he explains why he chose now to reveal his face after about seven years of being faceless. And one of those reasons is that he's meeting one of his online friends in person for the first time, which I thought was really sweet. If that is. Dream is actually canceled <laughs> for some reason that I couldn't find, <laughs> please don't tell me. <laughs> Hi, my name is Clay, otherwise known as Dream Online. Um, may have heard of me, may have not. Maybe you clicked on this video just out of pure curiosity and you don't care who I am. But now you've seen my face and so obviously you know who I am. He just looks like a normal, he's got a normal face. He's a dude. It's really funny to me watching somebody who has probably made conservatively thousands of dollars off of YouTube figuring out how to film for the first time. Wow, like you can point. tell. Yeah. You can tell that he's trying to figure out like how to move, what angle he wants his face to be at. Yes. There's a point where he tries to point at a sign behind him and he's doing this thing that I think we all do where we know that we have a good side and we're trying to cater towards that good side in filming. Yes. But when you're filming a video, you have to move naturally or else it comes off like really kind of jarring. And so you can, it's, it's, it was endearing to me to watch because like he's clearly so used to talking, but like not moving. Yes. And some of the reaction is like really over the top. This guy has a really, I don't even want to say average face. Cause like, what does that even mean? Um, I, he's not unattractive enough to describe it in a particularly interesting way. And he's not attractive he's just enough some to, dude. <laughs> yeah. He's just a dude. He's just a dude that you like legit just like wouldn't even notice in most situations. Yes. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just no. mean there's not like hugely compelling things about his look to describe. It's nothing to write home about. No. In either direction. Nope. But unfortunately, the rest of the internet did not take nearly so uh, middle of the road to this. Yes. <laughs> Remember what I said about pairs socially projecting? <laughs> Woof. Because Dream just looks like some dude, like you're not going to stop if you see him on the street. You also wouldn't stop if you saw me on the street. Most of us just look like people. But there's an expectation, I think, that famous people are beautiful. And that was extremely on display in the aftermath of Dream's face reveal. Yeah. The hashtag Dream Face Reveal very quickly trended along with put the mask back on, which is just rude. It's... When I first saw that hashtag, I oh. thought it was like a pandemic-related thing. Me too! Me too! <laughs> I thought we were finally going to do something for disabled people, but we're gonna still not, apparently. No, no. And then I clicked on it, and I was like, oh, no. Yep. <laughs> like, my man has been compared to every single Shrek character, from Stiltskin to Lord Farquaad <laughs> to Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> Like, <laughs> oh my God, the hashtag is wild to me in that it's actually really easy to get a hashtag trending. Just ask true. literally any stan of a K-pop group. Yeah. But the real mark of a viral Twitter trend is how viral the individual tweets are in the hashtag. I had to scroll for a solid few minutes to find any tweets that had under like 5,000 likes. Like wow. the average tweet in that hashtag is garnering like 100,000 likes. Oh. So many sides of Twitter are coming together to roast this man. <laughs> Part of the reason why it got so much notice is that he's been teasing his face debut for like two weeks. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. That's a lot of buildup for that face. 
<laughs> it's just a face. Like, I understand because he has so many followers, but it's going to be a big deal when he reveals his face. Right. But he also made it a bigger deal than it needed to be. Exactly. He had other creators post. I don't know if he had them posted. Maybe they just decided to post it themselves. I don't know. But other creators were revealing their reactions to his face before his face reveal. Like, and so I, I, I understand why it got so much traction. But my God, <laughs> was it scrolling through that hashtag rub? Oh, my God. Well, I mean, look, here's the, here's the thing. Like, Dream has other powerful fans. The responses to his tweeted face reveal is a murderer's row of YouTubers and Twitch streamers, including Mr. Beast, Rhett and Link, the actual official Twitch Twitter account, you know? So I think in the end, Dream is going to be fine. But I don't think you can do that much buildup without it kind of backfiring a little bit on you. I mean, you know what it really reminds me of? What? I'm, I'm being legit when I say this. The incredibly annoying marketing campaign for the movie Bros. <laughs> like you made an annoying campaign about it. The situation that came together was not great. And so now you're going to get some extra heat because of it. Yes. That's a perfect analogy. <laughs> White men just need to stop, I think, is the general vibe of what's going on. Except for the Orthodox Jewish Boys Choir. <laughs> they can keep going. Absolutely. <laughs> NBC forever. All right, that is the show. We will be back in your feed on Saturday, so please subscribe. It is the best way to never miss an episode, to never miss a viral banger, to never miss a face reveal. Maybe I'll reveal my face one day. Please leave a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. Tell your friends about us. Tell your boys choir about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like, what's going on with the Miami Boys Choir? And you can also always drop us a note at ICYMI at slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader and Rachel Hampton. I'm Daisy Rosario, the senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of audio. See you online. Or in Miami. But Brooklyn. You're Lena Dunn. <laughs> I like it when you say the ones that make me wonder if Rachel has frozen because like her death <laughs> stare is that thorough that it's like, nope, she's is she frozen? Nope. That's me wishing for death. That's what's happening in my head. I'm just like, what if I just disappeared into the ether right now? I'm I'm going into the West. Like <laughs> <Glide> true. <laughs> <laughs> I must diminish into the West. <laughs>